right. Good morning, guys. So good to see you. If you have a Bible, please open it to Acts chapter 1. If you are a guest with us, I want to say welcome. Thank you guys for being here. It is quite a step uh, to drive onto this property and to visit a, a new church, so thank you for being here. If you haven't been here a long time and you're here because you heard about pizza, I also want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. My name is Brandon, and we are in the second week of a series on the first two chapters of the book of Acts called The Church That Changes the World. And what we're doing for the next few weeks is we are asking questions of ourselves in light of what we see in the original church. For instance, last week, we asked the question, do we trust in our ascended Savior? Do we believe when Jesus said that we are his witnesses and he is giving us greater power, do we believe that? Do we live like that? So the idea is to look at how the first church functioned and ask the Lord to work in the same ways in us. So today we're going to consider another question. Are we united in prayer? Another way to ask this question is who are we depending on? And... Before we get to that question, though, I want to tell you about the worst marketing decision that I've ever made. It seems relevant. Worst marketing decision I've ever... So I work... I have worked for many years in, in Bible study publishing. And I used to lead the, as, as well as a lot of other resources. And one of the other brands that I was responsible for was called smallgroup.com. You haven't heard of it. Uh, I didn't do as good a job with that. Um, and I'm about to show you why. So... Uh, one year, I was just convinced that I had a brilliant idea, and I convinced the rest of the team that it was a brilliant idea, and we decided for smallgroup.com that our primary messaging strategy for that season would be a cassette tape. This is real. smallgroup.com, a web address on a cassette tape. Actually, I texted a bunch of guys that were involved in that project this morning. They're like, I still stand by that idea. <laughs> so smallgroup.com is an online Bible study platform. It's a customizable Bible study thing. And I thought we would get so much attention if we advertised an online Bible study platform with a cassette tape. Because, I mean, the discipleship tool of the future brought to you by the past. I'm still, I still love it. Gosh, our whole team went for it. We threw ourselves at it. I thought it was brilliant. We actually, there's content on here. Like we recorded onto the tape, like a 50% off promo code. If you could find a cassette player and play it. And then obviously the rest of, like it says on here, I still haven't found the study I'm looking for. Like we gave track names to this, whatever. It cost a small fortune to make these cassettes and mail them to real human beings. Uh, this was in like 2018. By the way, I... Sh <laughs> right? That's the point. That's the point. And I showed it to... My daughter saw it sitting there this morning. Uh, my oldest daughter, she said, uh, is that one of those CDs? She had a cassette tape. And then we were about to leave the house. She said this to me this morning. She said, Daddy, don't forget your cassette record. <laughs> we don't even... Here's the point. I thought that I was putting our efforts in the right place. I knew it was going to work. I thought this was going to be the most famous marketing action in the history of Christian publishing. Turns out people did not think it was as clever as I did. 
because the only impact that we're for sure this cassette tape had was driving calls to our customer service team to ask how they could get the information on the cassette tape since they no longer owned a cassette player. I was convinced that I was going to have the idea that would have the greatest impact. I convinced our team to push forward with me. We were unified around the smallgroup.com cassette. Turns out we were trusting the wrong person. And there's a point to that. It is so easy to do the same thing in church. It is so easy and perhaps even common to have a cassette tape mindset in the church of Jesus. Jesus gave us a mission. We believe in the mission. He gave us power. We're going to do the mission and we're going to be united in the mission. We can get all the way there and then sometimes trust ourselves. Sometimes as the church, we place our confidence in ourselves and our attention on ourselves. And it says, though we hear the great commission of Jesus saying, go into all the world and make disciples. And we're like, yes, let's do it. We're going to make a cassette tape and change the world. Can, so can we just acknowledge that we can believe in the mission while also believing in ourselves and fail the mission. We can believe the mission while believing in ourselves and fail the mission. That's why it's so beautiful, so powerful that the first moment that the church was in existence post-resurrection and ascension, they've been given the mission to share the good news and they started with prayer. They didn't start with their wisdom. They started with seeking God. They didn't start united around brilliant ideas. They were united around a shared dependency on the leadership of God. We're going to see two examples of that in this text. We want the Lord to make us like that church, not like this Bible study publishing team. So let's begin reading in Acts 1 verse 12. This is, they just left the hill. In fact, that's where it starts. They returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away, maybe a kilometer. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of James. They were all, watch, continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, who, by the way, if you remember, used to not believe. They were continually united in prayer. What an unbelievable moment in history. Because remember, we left off last week. Jesus ascends into heaven. The angels have to tell the disciples, stop staring up into the sky and go start doing the thing he told you to do. So Jesus told his followers, you're going to be my church. You're going to take the hope of the good news into the world. And then Jesus left the planet. What must that have felt like? What must that have felt like? What do we do now? If you're a parent in this room, you probably know at least a little bit of what that felt like. I'll never forget the moment... Uh, <laughs> 
the moment our first child was left uh, in our care. Maybe an hour and a half after Scarlett had given birth, our, they, they'd cleaned up our oldest daughter, they brought her into the room, and as the nurse was about to leave, I was incredulous. I, I said something like, you're not going to stay? <laughs> and she kind of laughed, and Scarlett and I looked at each other like, wait, they just want us to take care of this baby? You know what I mean? You've been there. We've been parents for 90 minutes. We did not know what to do, and I'm, I'm so grateful I can tell you how we didn't respond. We weren't like, we've got this. We're going to make a cassette tape and change that baby's life. No. There was trepidation. There was a longing for someone to lead us, for someone to help us, for someone to tell us what to do. What do we do with this baby? And that's the moment that we are looking in on here at the birth of the church. The nurse has left the room. And the mothers and the fathers of the first church really want to take care of what they've been given in their initial instinct was to have a prayer meeting. The first place they put their energy, the first place they gave their attention was on prayer. They started in a posture of dependence. The text said they were all continually united in prayer. And let's look at those three words. What is prayer then? Continually united in prayer. What is prayer? Pretty simple. Prayer is talking to God, isn't it? It's seeking God. Prayer has the connotation of earnestness. Prayer is a shifting of your attention and your confidence from yourself to God. What are we going to do with this church? We better get our attention and our confidence, not on ourselves, but on God. I don't know who the first person who said this was, but it's often been said that prayerlessness is pridefulness. Prayerlessness is pridefulness. And Instantly, when you hear that as a follower of Jesus, it resonates as true. Prayerlessness is pridefulness. When we don't pray, even if we believe in the mission, it's like saying we've got our own cassette tape and we're going to solve this problem. When we don't pray, we're trusting in our own way, our old plans. Prayerlessness is pridefulness. In contrast, prayerfulness is dependence. Prayerfulness is dependence on somebody that has the answers, that has the power, that has the way. They were continually united in prayer, dependence. Church was, the church of Christ was born. The first response was to depend on him in prayer. It was a humble seeking of God's will. Can we be that church? The humble seeking of God's will. We're not, we'll get to us not being smart in a minute. They were continually united in prayer. Continually. It's the word in our translation. It comes from a Greek word that I love so much. It means to be constant, to be devoted, to be steadfastly attentive unto. And this is my favorite one. It means to give unremitting care to a thing. The, er the original church gave unremitting care to prayerful dependence. They were continually devoted to seeking God, not their own wisdom. They were steadfastly attentive to depending on his wisdom, his power, not their own intelligence, not their own creativity, not their own master brand strategies. 
And they were continually, this is the best part, and they were continually united in prayer. The word united there means with one mind, with one accord, with one passion. Listen to what one commentator I read said about the Greek word that we've translated united. He said, it's a unique Greek word that helps us understand the uniqueness of the Christian community, what we, what we even are. Homothumadon is the word, is a compound of two words meaning to rush along and in unison, to rush along in unison. And then he says this, the image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded which, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone as the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of the members of Christ's church. They were united continually in prayer for dependence, in one accord, rushing together toward dependence of Jesus, rushing along together with one passion, and that passion wasn't trusting in their ability, it was entrusting in their Savior. They were continually united in prayer, a song of devotion, a song of surrender, a song of humility. I want to try to illustrate what this is kind of like, and we'll see how this goes. So I want this middle section right here to sing. And here's what you're going to sing. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your... Just the inside. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Great job. Better is one day. Better is one day than thousands elsewhere. Got that? Okay. One, two, ready. Both parts. Better is one day. Better is one day. You're going to go. Great job. And then you guys have the hardest part, so hopefully y'all have a little bit of rhythm. You're going to go. You're glorious. You're glorious. Sing it with me. You're glorious. You're glorious. Better is one day in your court. One day. Glorious. There is one day. Thousands elsewhere. Lift it up. There is one day in your courts. There is one day in your house. There is one day in your courts. One more time. There is one day in your courts. There is one day in your house. There is one day in your courts. Thousands elsewhere. How beautiful. That is what it sounds like to be united in prayer. That's what it sounds like to be of one accord. That's what it sounds like to rush along together, blending together toward dependence on Jesus. The original church was continually united in prayer. And we're going to plan some time this coming week. I'll talk about it more at the end. When we're going to pray together, and I want you, when you're praying together this week from 1130 to 1135 a.m., Monday through Friday, I want you to remember what that sounded like. And remember that that's what our prayers sound like to God as we are agreeing together that we are dependent on him and we are not dependent on me and we are not dependent on any other human being in this room. That's what it sounds like. Concert of prayerful dependence together. Isn't that beautiful? So let's continue reading in Acts chapter 1. And this is so great. 
it, man, the Lord knew what he was doing when he put the Bible together. We immediately get to see the practic- a practical example of how this unity in prayer, this continually unified in prayer, impacted how they worked together as a church. They were unified in prayer, but it wasn't in the abstract. They were unified continually in prayer, and that's what drove how they did church, how they made decisions. Watch this as we continue in verse 15. And you're going to see some very strange stuff in here that I will explain that's going to potentially distract you from the part I want you to see, so we'll get it all cleaned up. Here we go. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were together was about 120. We can identify with a church that size. And, and said, brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David, foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was one of our number and shared in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. He fell headfirst talking about Judas, his body burst open, his intestines spilled out, kids. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem so that their own, in their own language that field is called something, that is field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. This is important. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us, from among these it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed too. This is a church business meeting. They proposed too. Joseph called Barsab who was also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they prayed, you, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. First of all, I'm going to explain a couple of things going on there that might distract us from the thing we most need to see together. So many of you will remember that in the Old Testament, God's original family, his original chosen people was the Jewish people, right? So the Jewish people, the people of Israel had 12 tribes. Yes? Yes. Yes. Then Jesus, who was the long-awaited Messiah of the people of Israel, actually arrived and They'd prophesied about him for years. They'd anticipated about him for millennia. The Messiah arrives, and he calls 12 disciples to follow him so that there was symmetry between his messianic ministry and the tribes of Israel. Okay? One of, so that's one thing. Come back to that in a second. One of those 12 disciples was named Judas, and Judas betrayed Jesus. And I just want to tie something together because in our study that we just finished of Matthew, we saw that Judas went out and hung himself, right? I think I'm supposed to say hanged. He, Scarlett correct me last night. Hanged himself. So Scarlett went out and hanged himself. Scarlett. <laughs> Judas. It was Judas. Went out and hanged himself. And then we see in this passage that he fell down and his body burst open. So what that means is he hanged himself and either somebody cut him down or he just fell down and either way his body burst open and his intestines fell out. By the way, let's acknowledge that that has to be like a top five worst passage for a Sunday we're having a pizza party. 
But so Judas is out of the picture. And what's the and the church is now being born in Acts chapter one. Remember, this was a promise to to the to the Israelites first. He was the the Jewish Messiah first. So they're going to go to the Jewish people first to try to share the good news of the Messiah with them. And to reflect that they wanted 12 apostles in reference to the 12 tribes. That's why they are replacing Judas as an apostle. And that's why they're only choosing one of the two men who are put forth. Okay. So they wanted it to be 12. Got that? I, that's just sort of ancillary for our purposes, but I wanted you to understand that the Bible's not confused on how Judas died and why Judas is being replaced. What I do want us to focus on is how they made their decision. We're going to replace our lost apostle. We're going to, we're birthing the church. We're going to take the ministry, the good news of Jesus to the world. We're going to replace an apostle. How are we going to do it? Then they, they, they didn't do it by trusting in themselves. They prayed, you, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left. Then they cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. So this is how we already begin to see that the posture of prayerful dependence in the early church practically impacted how they functioned together as a church. The Bible said they were devoted continually to prayer. They came time to make a decision. They prayed, and what they prayed was, Jesus, we trust you. And then they cast lots. They were a prayer for people. They said, Lord, you know our hearts. Will you choose the person you want? And then they cast lots. And don't be caught off guard by the casting of lots. That was just something that happened to be a way decisions were made Back in that time, casting lots was a very common practice, just like casting votes is today or an interview panel. What, the mechanism isn't what's important. The point is that they, they trusted the decision to the Lord. They continually united in prayer. They prayed, Lord, you know everyone's hearts. You choose. Proverbs 16.33 says, the lot is cast into the lap. But every decision is from the Lord. That's, what, that's what's going on here. The lot is cast into the lap. It's the Lord's decision. Do we believe that? Do we ask him to intervene like we believe that? Every decision is from... Do we ask him to choose our path? We're going to select deacons in the coming weeks and months. We don't have to throw lots. But we can pray, Lord, you know our hearts. Who do you choose for us? When we're continually united together in prayer, a concert of dependence, we can trust the Lord to lead our steps, trust that the Lord is sovereign in our steps. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. You know what that sounds like? The options are weighed and considered, but every decision is from the Lord. The motion is made and seconded, but every decision is from the Lord. Lord, make us a prayerfully dependent people. This is our prayer. Lord, help us not be a church that trusts in our own wisdom and our own savvy and our own ideas, but in your goodness and your leadership. The original church prayed, Lord, you know our hearts. Show us what you have chosen. And oh my goodness, how beautiful is it that they didn't say, Lord, you know our hearts. Show us which of these have most earned it. What a comfort. 
for everybody in a gray chair right now. They didn't ask for the most capable. They didn't ask for the most talented. They asked as a body, who do you want, Lord? What do you want, Lord? We don't know what to do here. We want to be dependent on you. We see such a humble dependence on Jesus, even in the qualifications that they set forth. From among these, it is necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. They wanted the next apostle to be someone who had been with Jesus in his ministry and had witnessed him resurrect from the dead. Like, this is where we get to remember again who we're praying to. It's not so hard for us to sometimes think, man, my ideas aren't great. But do we really remember who we're praying to? Blackman, we have a resurrected Savior. What we're looking on essentially in Acts chapter 1, this second part, is a church prayer meeting and a church business meeting. And these disciples in their meeting had just seen Jesus die and raise back from the dead. They just witnessed Jesus walk through the ancient wizard woods of death that we talked about last week and conquer, literally conquer the grave. We need a witness to the resurrection. That's what they're wanting. They didn't pass out an IQ test. They weren't comparing Enneagram numbers. They had witnessed the defeat of their sin through a resurrected Lord. Who are we going to pray to and who are we going to trust in? I couldn't imagine what the answer might be. And I think we should hire talented and intelligent people. I think we should put... Do it as much as you can. Let's, let's have a talented, intelligent people all over this place. As long as we remember that our true leader is Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. We must remember that the one we are ultimately depending on came back from the grave. Should we choose Barsabbas? Should we choose Matthias? Either way, we already have a Savior. Man, that's what it sounds like to be the church. Should we pick Barsabbas? Did we pick Matthias? Did Jesus raise from the dead? Yes. I was having dinner with, I didn't tell either of you guys I was going to do this, so I love you so much. I was having dinner with Kevin and Weston a couple months ago. And Kevin talked about, it's a really sweet moment. Kevin talked about a way that he had struggled in his faith uh, with the Lord in like his late 40s or early 50s and how God had made him more like Jesus over the last decade or so. And Weston said something that really stuck out to me. He said, it's, he said that's so encouraging to me because I see my dad as this Abrahamic type man. And we could agree with that. And knowing that he has struggled with his walk with the Lord sometimes is comforting to me. I'm close enough. What a beautiful reminder that the only leader we can depend on is Jesus. It is impossible 
That's, it's all of us. We're all in the same boat. It's impossible to trust our own goodness, our own sinlessness, our own intelligence, our own talent, our own creativity. Man, we're thankful for Kevin and Ken and so many other leaders in this church, but we're dependent on Jesus. I mean, even if we could choose, even if we could choose the actual Abraham to lead our church, we would still be choosing a man who let a king take his wife and who had a baby with one of his servants. What I'm saying is, like the original church, we're always looking at, for human leaders. We are always looking but for, for sinners. We're always looking at sinners. But we can always be trusting our Savior. We're going to participate in the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. What a beautiful opportunity to remember why we trust him. He lived the perfect life we couldn't. He gave himself to become our rescuer, and he is. He already is. So the criteria that we look for as a Jesus-dependent church is not what is, what's perfect, not who's perfect, not fill in the blank. It's how is God leading and what does Jesus want? You, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show us which of these you have chosen. We can pray that way in everything, continually united in prayer. So here's what I want us to do this week to pursue this together, okay? So the homework's happening right now. Uh, I, we'll try to get this, all this sort of schedule out to you uh, this week somehow, newsletter, social media, maybe both. We'll see. So tomorrow, let's start with tomorrow. I picked 11.30 because I figure that's lunchy for most people and you could spare five minutes. If 11.30 doesn't work for you, God exists outside of time and you can join the concert whenever, you, whenever it fits your schedule. But let's aim for 11.30 to 11.35. Just a little slice, set an alarm, and here's what we're going to pray for this week. Continually united in prayer to a Savior that we're dependent on. Tomorrow at 11.30, let's pray together that God will choose who we choose to be our deacons, our teachers, our group leaders, all the leadership positions at our church. Let's pray for five minutes tomorrow that we would be dependent on the Lord to make those decisions. It's his church. Even if we could pick Paul, you know what Paul would say? Who would save me from this body of death? Praise be to God in our Lord Jesus Christ. On Tuesday, let's be continually united in prayer at 11.30 a.m. or whenever you can. That God will lead us as individual followers of Jesus to be prayerfully dependent on Jesus. I want us to pray for one another in that five minutes. Call out the names of the people that are in this room or that are not in this room that are in this church. Asking for the Lord to help them not trust in their own strength and their own ingenuity, but to trust in his power to be dependent on him. On Wednesday, let's be continually united. In we can do it right now. This is, it's crazy. It's crazy that we get to be the real church. Let's be continually united in prayer at 11.30 a.m. that the Lord will give us wisdom on what to do with this property. God owns this five acres. We should remember that at 11.30 on Wednesday. This is God's five acres. I guarantee you that if we are dependent on him, he will give us a better way to maximize the ministry in this five acres than we could come up with on our own. 
On Thursday, man, I love this. I can't wait for Thursday at 11.30 a.m. These are all central standard times. In the middle of the day on Thursday, let's lift up a concert of prayer together. All across Middle Tennessee, we'll be all over the place, asking God for the salvation and for the joy of our children in this church. The, the names that I know, I'm going to pray for your kids by name. I've, I've got an alarm on my phone to pray for my daughters to, to know Jesus and to deeply believe that he loves them. So I'm going to include yours on that. Let's call each other's children out by name that God will help them know. Kids in this room right now, we're going to be praying for you. Jesus loves you so much. Oh, gosh, I wish somebody could have helped me see that Jesus loved me. So I didn't believe Jesus loved me until like 30 probably. Let's pray for one another's children by name that God will draw into himself, that he will let them know and believe that he loves them. And then on Friday, let's again be continually united in prayer at 1130 a.m. And let's pray that when we gather again here next Sunday, that it'll be a sweet time of worship, that the power of the Holy Spirit will be evident in our lives, in our midst. Let's pray on Friday that when we're here on Sunday, God would move in our church to glorify himself. We're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit's arrival to the early church next Sunday. Let's pray for that. And let's pray together right now. We're going to have, as we always do, uh, some leaders up front. I want to encourage you to pray together. Some of you are making a decision right now. Don't make it by yourself. Let us pray with you. Let us pray together. Let's be continually united in prayer that the Lord will be the one who chooses what you choose and that you will trust that he chose what you chose. Maybe you're sick. Maybe someone in your family is sick. Let's be continually united in prayer, even in this moment. And let me pray for us toward that end. Father, we're going to be at your table in a moment. We're going to be in together in prayer right now. And for both of those things, we say thank you. We thank you for the power. We thank you for the grace. We thank you for your leadership. God, I pray that you would help us to be a people who taste and see that you are good. I pray that you'd help us to be a people that cast our cares on you. God, I pray that we would be a people that are continually united in prayer, believing that you know best, that you've proven your love for us already on the cross, that we can trust you to make good decisions. Man, you're good. You're the best thing that's ever happened to us. Help us to believe that and live that together. Christ.